Signs of the Southland, June 20th, 2021. Mr. Grant, is your local basketball team in a game seven per chance? I guess I did just finish my move to a permanent Atlanta address. So technically, yes. Okay. Well, see, this bit would have been better if I remembered that. Yeah, the Bulls have not sniffed a game seven in, in quite some time. Maybe uh, game seven of the preseason or the regular season. They did get to that. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of funny if the play-in series was a seven-game series, and then you could make fun of them for that too, but they also didn't make a play-in spot. So, I'm about to derail this entire podcast by saying that the play-in is so dumb. That so is- dumb. That is a hot take. But a very is, hot take. We can talk about, we could also talk about how the 12-team playoff does interesting things to the regular season for college football. But NBA. Other podcasts. You have, you have, have 30 other teams. podcasts. You have 30 teams. 20 of them making the playoffs is an inherently crummy product. That's my take. Look, MLS did this for years. Everyone complained about it. And then finally, now they have enough teams to where it's not a majority of teams that make the playoffs. Didn't it only took, like... Up, uh, didn't they still get rid of buys, too? Yes. Well, they got they kept the first... They gave the first overall seed in each conference a buy. But everyone else is still playing that first, that first round. But they asked the, the important the thing, home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The important thing is that they ax the actual home and away legs. It's not a two-leg playoff for each round anymore. It's just a one-off knockout. Interesting. Well, just goes to show you what I know. I still think that it is very hard to beat college baseball, college basketball, um, and college softball in terms of excitement and volleyball. Volleyball's chill. But, I mean... The, the NBA playoffs, this is the first time in, I don't know, since the Derrick Rose Bulls that I've actually been interested. And this is the first time I can remember being a casual fan and being like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe it's because the Hawks are in and I know enough people that are Hawks fans that I follow. But I, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, one of the reasons why the NBA playoffs are so interesting right now, and we could also probably do an episode about the 12-team playoff regarding this, but one of the reasons that the NBA playoffs are so interesting in these latter couple of rounds is that all of the teams that are currently involved have really not been in the finals or really gotten past this point. Um, I think ev- the earliest that or the, or the latest championship out of what the five teams left is like 1961. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, it's a while. Uh, and, and and especially when you consider that the sport has been dominated by or, – or not the sport, but say that the league has been dominated by dynasties uh, every decade. Uh, you And you're coming off of a, a stretch of repeat, re- repeated NBA finals with the Warriors and the Cavs. And then, I mean, it was – for a while it was just LeBron and friends versus – uh, any Western Conference team, and then it was and then, LeBron and Friends versus an Eastern Conference team for a change. So it, it, I think it adds to the drama. I think you have a level of involvement and investment because these are all smaller market teams. For well, the most part. Now, I realize that the Clippers are one of them, 
but think about the Clippers market, like market share in LA. It's not particularly large. Well, I mean, if you're talking a decade ago, it was basically nothing and they were hanging on by a thread, but they've been at least tangentially relevant. And we can unbox this on a different podcast, but they've been tangentially relevant for long enough that, you know, it, it's at least something. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think the city of Philly has an NBA title since the Warriors left for the West Coast, right? Uh, I don't believe that they do. It is time to look up this Philadelphia 76ers Wikipedia page. Do, do, do. <laughs> the stats department, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, they, ooh, they do have a championship in 83. Huh. I didn't even so, know. Yeah. So they have three titles, 55, 67, and 83. So 83 is probably well after the Warriors left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Warriors left before the, uh, the Sixers got there. They, they were like Mets replacing the Giants kind of thing. Why did they just get? Why did they just tee up Trey? That's interesting. Uh, um, my my stream is behind. So, uh, well, surprise! Uh, somebody gets teed up because they're shooting a very lonely free throw. But um, I was going to say something else. We could probably. I hope you have a segue here. I hope you have a segue about about the history of basketball. Um, and about modern sports, but we'll 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 unbox the playoff and, and stuff like that at some point over the summer. I think we're kind of coasting on the remnants of 2020, 2021 at this point, right? Yeah. And those remnants are basically awards, grade point average updates, and like some minor announcements. Mm-hmm. It's very the thread here is very bare. In terms of news, we're really yeah. trying to squeeze all the juice out of this orange for what? There's only two weeks left in the uh, in the NCAA year, the athletic year. So you're doing a lot. We're going to have to actually start doing previews. And, uh, you know, at, that'll be the light at the end of the tunnel for sports coming back, I guess. But that feels it's like so an optimization insane. thing, right? It's an optimization. Yeah. How long can you talk about the previous season before you have to talk about the next one? <laughs> and how do you fill the space in between? Yep, exactly. Um, what was I going to say? But in the meantime, we, we can coast off this a little bit longer. Uh, generally, what do you have for us? Wow, you really just used the header from the first section on the shot sheet, didn't you? Yep, I did. So I'm good at this. Podcasting is a great business. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the athletic program as a whole. I mentioned grade point average updates. Uh, I think this is probably the only podcast that would actually mention at student athlete grade point averages, and that's mainly because of the institution that we cover. Uh, tech student athletes averaged a 3-1 uh, grade point <laughs> average GPA during spring 2021. Uh, which matched their mark from fall 2020. Uh, that was also the sixth straight semester of a 3.0 mean GPA or higher, with 62% of student athletes uh, netting an individual GPA of 3.0 or higher, and 52% with Dean's List or faculty honors. Uh, all of those numbers are courtesy courtesy of ramblinrec.com, TLDR, the Georgia Tech Athletic Association. 
Pretty good. I have no complaints. Yeah. I uh, I will say, if you heard me laugh in the middle of that, that was because Dwight Howard just accidentally leapfrogged over Trey Young, and and it was funny. Um, but yes, I agree. Um, uh, again, like you mentioned, we very much care about this because we are nerds from nerd school, um, and uh, it's very good to see them living up to uh, kind of the reputation I'd say the school has writ large. Um, this also uh, increases the, um, I guess, traditionally women's swimming diving is either near or at the front of the GPA train, uh, but this is definitely uh, a different year for us in terms of talking about them in particular. They kind of had their greatest year ever this year. Is, is that too bold to say? I don't think so. I think in the press release from ramblinrec.com, they said something along those lines as well. Uh, but they also emphasized that, that it was both in the classroom and in the pool uh, because one of the items that they mentioned is women's swimming and diving uh, had a 3.6 team GPA, uh, which led all 13 of Tech's programs. They say 13. Yeah. I assume they're counting some of these programs by uh, – by, as like a single unit, um, like the ones that have women's and men's teams, but you get the picture here. Yeah, because um, actually I, I think the 13 is from combining the track and cross country. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but um, in terms of best finish ever in the pool, granted we know that that is off the, uh, the accolades of, of uh, our two divers who went to NCAAs. Um, but still, that is still a record finish is a record finish and points are points. Uh, that's more than we can say about, you know, the past there. Um, so it's great to see that. And then, I mean, something's going right in terms of hitting the books. This is probably where I go, yeah, swimmers, we're just built different or, or, or something stupid like that. But Well, uh, you just did say it, to be fair. No, but I was like making fun of the fact that I would say uh-huh. it. So I feel like uh-huh. it's okay. Uh huh. I'm getting a spam call. Should I answer it in the middle of the podcast? No. We have more things to talk about, especially about swimming, uh, which was selected to host the 2022 ACC Swim and Dive Championships at Macaulay Aquatic Center. I like the idea of hosting these championships. I remember a couple of years ago, Macaulay hosted the NCAAs, and they also hosted a uh, U.S. pre-Olympic whole shindig. It was very fun. All these things Um, are very fun. Well, see, the last time we hosted uh, was 2016-17. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was interestingly in the, like, wedged into the middle of the week between previously scheduled meets because they had actually yoinked the meet out of Greensboro because that was back during the uh, North Carolina. uh, Oh, HB2. Yep. The, the bathroom bill yeah. thing, so they're kind of like, uh-oh, we have an emergency. We already have Conference USA or whatever uh, coming to town on the weekend. So it was a br- very busy couple of weeks uh, at the pool. Spent a lot of time practicing the leisure pool uh, those couple weeks. But it's great to have big meets here. Uh, we host the U.S. Open. Uh, I believe they were trying to get it every year, but pre-pandemic we had only hosted it one or two years in a row. Atlanta's been a stop on another one of the big meet uh, series is the uh, 
TYR. TYR Grand Prix now, but I'm used to it being the Arena Grand Prix because both are swimwear sponsors, for those that don't know, uh, and Arena had sponsored it for years and years, but uh, now now it's tier TYR, however, however you choose to say that. Um, but yeah, no, Macaulay, um, I believe, gets NCAAs next year too, so... I, I'm I'm pretty sure the ACC logic is probably something along the lines of if we have access to this pool that all of our teams are going to be swimming at for the big meet, why would we not uh, give them another you know hack at uh, at, at competing there? Wow, that was a loud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just to follow up, tracks, right? To follow up. It is uh, for the men's championships. It will be in Macaulay. Well, I guess the men's and women's championships are effectively at the same time. But yeah, both of those are for are slated for 2022. So they'll get ACCs and then NCAA's. Uh, and basically, if you can make time, like you, I think what, the point you're getting to is if you can make a time in the ACCs, you're swimming in the exact same conditions at NCAA's. Yep. Yep, and, and we we kind of saw that this year too with uh, them essentially living in Greensboro for five weeks. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I will I will also note that uh, they come back around to Macaulay again in twenty six. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, that's a that's a joy too. I uh, I I will say I feel personally attacked by the NCAA giving it to us in sixteen and twenty two. Given that I spent five years at Tech. Um, and it's book ended uh, with two NCAA's. Oh, um, you live here now. That's I, not I a live problem here. anymore. We're working, we're working men, Akshay. We can't go to every sport, only just some of the sports. <laughs> it's on a weekend, probably. I don't know. It says March 23rd for, to 26th for the men and March 16th through 19th for the women. I don't, I'm don't. i not in front of a calendar. I'm too lazy to uh, look it up. If for some reason Georgia Tech, I have – I have no clue if this is actually just me talking out of my butt or, or not. But if they wind up hosting the, the CCS meet, too, that's like six straight weekends of that place being packed. So uh, That sounds like revenue to me. Yeah. That sounds like revenue. At a certain point, money is money. That doesn't go to the, that doesn't go to the GTAA, though. That, well, the NCAA revenue would, but CC, CCS would... Just go to CRC, right? I think ACC goes to the um, goes to the CRC too because the GTAA doesn't own the pool. Mm, we'll see. I don't know how revenue is, is uh, determined here. I really should have prepared more for this bit because I I don't know. Uh, I, I I'm flying off the seat of my pants from just having do, been around for a while if you catch me do you want to be yanked you want to be yanked off the stage and move on to a different bit here yeah we should probably do that okay uh softball news emma Koff played in two pre-olympic exhibitions against team usa as part of the sugarland roster of team alliance for the usa softball stand beside her tour uh, all of those games were in sugarland texas at constellation field which hosts the AAA affiliate of the Houston Astros. Uh, some more uh, some more details on the actual tour itself. It's a four 
game set of exhibitions against Team Alliance, uh, which is generally made up of collegiate and pro athletes from or supported by the Alliance Fast Pitch member leagues. Uh, Kalf was on the Sugarland roster along with uh, people you may know, like Montana Fouts of Alabama, who threw a perfect game in the Women's College World Series, uh, catcher Kayla Kowalik, and utility player Aliyah Jordan. Uh, Kowalik is from Kentucky, and Aliyah Jordan is from UCLA. Again, all those details are from ramblinrec.com. Uh, I have no idea where to find stats and information on these exhibitions, and I wish I had it because these exhibitions were this past weekend. Oh, they were this weekend. They only announced this team like three days ago, at least on ramblinrec.com. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think they were this weekend, and you can continue to vamp while I yeah. go find some stats. I was going to say, well, top of the list. The fact that Olympics aren't guaranteed to be back in 2028 uh, or softball and baseball aren't guaranteed guaranteed to be back in the Olympics in 2028 drives me a little bit bonkers. Um, And it's very fun to see them at least around for this year. But um, not only is Team USA doing stuff like this, but there's actually several uh, other national teams currently barnstorming around America or playing in America or whatnot because – the travel organization my, my sister is a part of just played the Canadian national team like two weeks ago uh, and got pounded uh, because, you know, national teams and whatnot. But, um, you know, t- at least you're putting up a couple of runs. But they're, I guess, doing this all as the, the warm-up, the prelude, the intro to um, to Tokyo in a couple of weeks. It's weird. I feel like it's been like – and because it has been forever since we've had an Olympics. But um, – it has been quite a long time uh, on this. Of course, shame on me. I didn't watch any of the, the swimming Olympic trials. But, um, but yeah. Look, Have you Rio had any feels so close. Or no? What's up? I, I, did pull, I did pull up the, the actual dates. But I want to say one thing. Like, Rio feels, like, so close, but yet so far away. Rio was 2016. That's five years ago, four years before the actual original start date of the Tokyo Olympics, right? Yeah. But it's still a con- – the thing is, 2016 to 2021, not much has changed. I mean, it, it depends on your metric of change. But, like, life, what we do on, like, a regular basis, not, not a lot of change. So it uh, feels like it hasn't been that long. What other you than the pandemic. You, what? <laughs> you say we haven't changed that much. I didn't say we. I said life. Oh. Uh, we we just got out of a year and a half long pandemic, or we're getting out of it. Or, or... Okay, I gave the caveat of the pandemic. My point is that it feels so. It it's chronologically long ago, like mentally not so long ago. Is my point here? All right, I'm I'm about to completely take Devil's Avocado on this one. Rio 2016 perspective. This was before I got to college. This was two years before we started this podcast, of which we are now entering the fourth year of doing. Um, Yeah, probably six months out before you and I even met. Um, Let's see, what other stuff? There's been a global pandemic. Do you want to make me feel not old? Can I just read out some of these scores? No, no, no. I want to get a couple more of these in. I've been thinking them up. Existential crisis. Come on. The The team Atlanta United did not exist yet. They had not oh. played. Um, I, I had another one. Shoot, what was it? Oh man, 
this is gonna bug me. But you get the point. Like that was Rio. The last one was Rio. probably the Cubs didn't have a World Series title. Oh, yes, that was the last one. The Cubs had still not won a World Series in 108 years. I feel drastically different from Rio 2016. Okay, well, you're you're missing the point of what I'm saying. Anyway. June 2019 or June 19th, 2021, uh, Team USA played a doubleheader versus Team Alliance. USA won both games 1 0 and 4 1. They've not posted the scores for today's games yet. I assume they may be ongoing. It's not like I have any live stats in front of me, but now I'm going to look up the live streaming and see if it's actually going. It is not. That's sad. Okay. Maybe, they just have posted. Maybe that's probably it. Uh, moving right along uh, into women's tennis news, uh, Victoria Flores was the recipient of the Arthur Ashe Leadership and Sportsmanship Award. So, congrats to her. Uh, women's tennis also signed Kylie Bilchev, uh, who represents Great Britain internationally and is from Ipswich, England. Uh, she's a top 150 ITF junior uh, in terms of ranking. Has a lot, a lot, lot of international playing experience and a lot of ac trophies, accolades. If you look at the uh, list that was provided at ramlinrec.com. And if you need like a one sentence summary of her quality as a player, she's uh, playing in the Wimbledon Juniors next month. So uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much sums it up. I'm, I'm excited. They'll, they'll be a good squad. I mean, you're talking about almost everyone from that squad coming back. Obviously, you're missing the two. Uh, okay, I'm doing a really bad job. Of, I'm doing a really bad job of uh, missing caveats. You have a lot of the young talent coming back. There's, there's your adjusted statement. A lot of the young talent is coming back. You obviously do miss Flores uh, and, and Jones uh, to graduation. You lose them to graduation. But you still have a lot of um, a lot of quality in that depth, and now adding Bilchev, especially considering her resume so far as an international player, it's a uh, it's pretty good. It it sets up very nicely, I think. Yep, I would agree. Also, I I will point out that the uh, photo used on the cover of the Everyday Champions magazine, uh, the photo of the women's tennis team, is uh, very heavily edited. And it just like very heavily like has a ton of filters overlaid on it, and it is a it's an interesting look. I will say that uh, graphic design me? is someone's passion. Do you get sent that magazine? Because I have not seen that yet. No, it's on ramblingrec.com. I'm scrolling through in the background. Uh, I should check that out. Wow, just advertise a little bit more. Why don't you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I do my best. You know, got a shill for the institute. Moving on, talking about shilling for the Institute in terms of academics. Uh, in volleyball news, Maddie McKissick and Julia Bergman made the all-ACC academic team for volleyball. And then on the golf side of things, Connor Howe was named to the all-ACC academic team as well. Yeah, good for them. Congrats. We like smarts. We like seeing success. And the three of them also had fantastic seasons as well. Mm -hmm. So. True, Definitely. true. true. Uh, like we said, there was a lot of awards and teams and 
just a lot of news items, more so than actual like things to dig in and talk about this week. And men's basketball is no different. Uh, Moses Wright was invited to the NBA Combine that was announced earlier this week. And Jose Alvarado uh, is now in G League. I think it's a preseason camp. So we did get the news last week of, of uh, Michael DeVoe staying on campus. But I think with this news of Alvarado uh, in G League camp, I think that might just shut the door on a return to campus, don't you think? Yeah, if, if again, this is all speculation on my part, but if he's in G League camp, it's one, acknowledging that he's not going probably in the top two rounds for the NBA, and two, that um, the pros seem to be the, the ideal destination for him. So, mm-hmm. at, at any Go get level, that money, son. I, I'm sad, Go get you that know? Like, money. Oh, you know what? Well, he, I mean, it's the it's the, the thought of that team, right? It's there's a thought of the t of a 2021 Georgia team with Jose Alvarado and Michael Devoe as super seniors on it, and then a bunch of the incoming talent that that this team has. So it it, it feels, or it could have been like a run it back year especially building off of the season that they had. And also you have uh, UNC breaking in a new coach. You have Duke sending off its old coach and potentially breaking in a new one, um, or it's starting to break in a new one. Rest of the conference is still kind of in flux, right? Virginia didn't have that great of a year last year. I mean, and, and if you looked at in terms of record and in terms of performances, FSU is also up and down. So, I mean, Syracuse making it as far as they did in the tournament is a, you know, Jim Beheim stuff right there. But it's a Jim Beheim special. But when you look at the what the roster could have been with Alvarado, and even if Wright decided to pull back out of the uh, NBA draft, you sort of have this feeling of, man, what could that look like, especially against, you know, a normal year of competition? Yeah. Um, and, and yes, the, the running the ba- running it back is a very real, like, thing to get sad and wistful about. But I'm already, like, thinking about when this team, quite frankly, it was not so long ago that this team was virtually unwatchable most games, except for Jose Alvarado, who was the heart and soul of the team and a a great reason to tune in because he never knew what he was going to do. And it, I I loved Josh Okogi. I loved watching him play, but I don't think he had the, he was only here for two years and, and not four like Jose, but it wasn't the same. Like, like seeing him go, I was like, dang, he was really good. I'm sorry to see him go. But like Jose Alvarado feels different. Like, like, I you love also, Jose well, well, the thing is, Bro. the thing is for you, the thing is for you, Jose Alvarado was here for all of your time on campus, more or less. Yeah, and, except that first year. Except that first year. But but at the same time, you still got four years of Jose Alvarado, right? You only yeah. got one year of Josh Okoki. You only got the back end Two. year. Two. Okay. Ugh, I'm, really I'm bad with the details young. today. I'm not that young. I remember but the my point is that you've had one of these guys has had an opportunity to make a larger impact on your uh, on your hit time watching Georgia Tech basketball than the other. 
is my point. Yeah. The, um, I, I don't know. It just disappoints me that other people won't get to love. Like, I feel like he's the most grind out player in, in any sport that I've gotten the privilege to watch on a regular basis. And if he got that opportunity to play on an NBA team, you like he, he has the will to win that is so strong that he, I, I think, I think that alone would, he would make it. Uh, maybe that's crazy, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, uh, draft is a little bit. G League is pretty competitive in terms of, you know, how, much, how many minutes there are to compete for. So we'll yeah, see. I guess it's better than getting buried on a bench and, and never hearing from him again. But I don't know. Ho- hopefully he lands somewhere where he can, one, make some money, build the name, build the brand, and and hopefully – be on a team that's seriously considered like he's a short guy, you know, and, and you can't really fix being short, you know, but the will to win and the talent is there. I think, I think he has the benefit of, of coming into a professional league after Stephen Curry. Right. Yeah. And, and having that height, the, the, the idea that height doesn't necessarily affect your ability to play and your ability to move and pass and cut. Uh, And so I think he'll benefit from that, but obviously it's a wait and see game, right? He has to go through camp. He has to be signed to a roster. We'll see. I I think he has a really good shot. Well, I mean, obviously we're biased, but I I think he has a really good shot to to stick in the G league. Uh, uh, And who knows if, if it, if it's on G league, he could always go abroad and, and, tear it up like a bunch of other alums have. Is Ben Lammer still abroad? I don't even know. I should look that up. I do believe he's still abroad in Spain. Let's see. Ben Lammers, American professional basketball player. Let's see. Does Got it list his official nickname as the Laminator? Uh, Benjamin William Lammers. Well, the more you know. Um, he's playing for Alba Berlin in the basketball Bundesliga. Let's see who else is in the basketball Bundesliga. Hmm. Anyone that actually would chill for. All right. We got Hamburg Towers, Bros Bamberg, Medi Bayerruth, the Berlin team that Ben Lammers is on. They play at Mercedes Benz Arena, the biggest arena in the Bundesliga. Wow. Um, biggest by a margin. Wow. Yes. A team from Bonn, Braunschweig, Chemnitz, uh, Prile, Schein, Frankfurt, Gleisen, Göttingen, Ludwigsburg, Wiesenfels. These are a lot of small towns on here, really. Look, Bayern uh, Munich versus uh, Bayern Munich is inevitable. Wait, who's the who's the defending champion? Okay, it's it's Alba Berlin is the defending champion, but it would be incredibly funny if Bayern Munich was also champion this league. What the? F- incredible. A cowbell just fell off my desk. We're keeping that in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, for for anyone who knows me and has seen me at a swim meet, yes, it's that cowbell. Um, but uh, all right, are, are we going to be shills? Are we going to be Alba Berlin uh, bandwagon fans? Okay. Well, we're going to have to take this offline so I can look up their jersey and then decide if I want to be a fan. Wait, but he, he got the ring. 
He was on the team that won in 2021. Good for him. Ben Lammers has a national championship. Boom. Did he win the league or did he win the the, the domestic cup? This is important. Okay, he, Basketball yeah. Bundesliga. Hi. They did not win the domestic cup, which pretty pretty cringe, not going to lie. Is it domestic uh, cup in basketball? It's set up the exact same way as soccer. I don't know how European basketball works. I don't even know how European soccer works half the time. We'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll take this offline. We'll, we'll circle back to it. Honestly, thinking about it, the laminator was probably the, the Jose Alvarado for me of that, of that team, but in a very different way. Okay, I'm not really going to understand what, what you mean by that, so we're going to move on to happy, happy news. Happy women's right. basketball news. Uh, walk-on Anissa Clark was awarded a full scholarship earlier this week, so congrats to her. Yes, well-deserved. Every time in every sport at every school that something like that happens, ah, just makes my day. Yeah, the video is very fun. It's very heartwarming. If you need some good vibes, uh, go check it out. Moving right along, because Mr. Grant has used a lot of our time today on talking about German uh, German pro basketball, uh, let's talk about Kevin Parada and on the baseball team and his awards. He was named to the Team USA Collegiate National Team, uh, just like I think it was Luke Waddell a couple of years ago, and then he was also an ABCA Rawlings All-Region player. So two uh two big honors i think there yep um and we talked we talked last week about how he deserved it i mean he was named to the all acc first team as a freshman last year um i think this year it was all yeah or yeah last week he was named last week to this year's team is what i meant to say but you know real real good at what he does so he deserves it yep he uh we get the joy of watching him play for two more years. So enjoy it while it's here. And then he gets drafted by question mark. It'll probably be like the Cubs or something with the first overall pick by then. Whoa, don't put that evil on me. First you overall want pick. Kevin Prada on your team or not? I don't want the first overall pick. That means we don't sign any of our boys to extensions and I lose Javi and Chris and Anthony and then I'd be sad. But, but we'd lose at least uh, one or two anti-vaxxers. So it's really a, uh, a coin flip. We'd get closer to that 85%, but Javi is vaccinated. So then maybe that would drop us below 85%. Yeah, and, you're and gaming this out too hard. You're, yeah. you're, I will leave you to have that, uh, that existential sporting crisis offline. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to cover the pain of losing three amazing players by uh memeing about it that'll hurt let's talk about other memes uh the Toddcast was up this past week uh with a lot of information about nil you listened to the entire episode you took some notes what can you tell us taking notes uh that's generous um three main things that resonated with me uh they talked about nil they talked about the GPA stuff that we already touched on, and they talked about the Director's Cup, which we rambled on quite a bit last week. Um, so for that reason, uh, I will spend the most time here talking about the NIL. But there's really one takeaway 
And this kind of surprised me to hear it in that uh, Todd and Andy basically went over the fact that tech already did all the like entrepreneur training uh, LLC taxes as part of the total person program. But now they're actually getting a lot more interest in, in some of these trainings. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it's also they have they set up the four week program, and we're uh, for this month, right? And we're in what week two or three of it uh, at this stage. So, I guess they've taken that interest and stratified it or codified it into an actual program, an actual definable, like measurable program here before the introduction of Georgia's NIL law, which is on July first yeah um yeah and it, it does give them some some more some more eyes on already legitimate programs with, and i thought this was really interesting um how he kind of pivoted from that into talking about createx and working with them as somebody who mm-hmm. took createx senior design and has several takes on it but one of which being it's a fairly interesting like resource that I don't hear as much talked about at other places. Obviously uh, the rest of the ACC does do um, uh, the, like the whole conference adventure now, but, but in terms of what the entrepreneur economy or whatever buzzword type stuff that people use, uh, Georgia tech has got it. Like, yeah, we don't have as many like local car dealerships, or like local shops probably that would want to do as many deals. But in terms of the big fish, the, 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 I feel like the floor, this is now me uh, vamping a little bit. I feel like the floor is higher or is the floor may be lower, but the ceiling is higher. There we go. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of the opportunities you can get uh, with NIL at tech. And that's me being a realist. I don't want to like say like, Oh, like, because we don't have, Joe Schmo's food place or whatever that wants to like have, you know, Jeff Sims as its spokesman or something that it's not going to happen. But I do think that, uh, that we have a lot of uh, high leverage opportunities being in Atlanta and, and the, the culture that we already have at tech. Are you, are you saying that NIL will be 404, the culture for student athletes at tech? Uh if you set me up for that happy, one. I will say that. You set me up for that one. Um, no, I, I just hope that it doesn't happen like two ships passing in the night. You know, like, like take advantage, uh, set them up for success, uh, and and hopefully that leads to success for the individuals we already have, but also the increased appeal of Georgia Tech as a concept for those who are not here yet, I think is a uh, diplomatic way to put that. Mm -hmm. So use it as a recruiting chip is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. I mean, I can see it. Uh, All right. Like, you know, okay. Have you ever taken the plane train at ATL? Yes, of course I've taken the plane train. All right. You know, when you're coming up those real big escalators, like up, uh, in, into like the baggage claim area. Yeah, up to the concourse. Yes. And you know how there's a huge video screen like welcoming you to Atlanta? Yes. 
It is arguably my favorite part of coming home. That should be plastered with Georgia Tech people, at least one of the slides. Like, stuff like that. Like, if you want to be ATL or 404 and and get views, where better than to partner with than a place like the airport? Or, obviously, companies are big, too. But, like, I I don't know. There's so many opportunities here that you don't get at a Clemson or an Auburn or a I will say I will say one of the things at the airport is that Georgia State has invested a lot in yes. advertising there. Oh um, yeah. And and they uh they have the sign up and this isn't meant to rag on them but I do think it's a little funny the sign that's like ranked more innovative than Stanford. There's there's one of those signs. I don't remember if you've seen one. Yeah, it's like I've, they're, they're I've ranked seen number like one in innovators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, again, not meant to make fun of them, but it, it's it's stuff like that, right? It's they are the ones advertising that they are Atlanta's local institution. But hey, there are multiple there are multiple chefs in this kitchen, right? Yeah. So investing in that sort of advertising, investing in you know, it doesn't have like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a car dealership, it doesn't have to be a restaurant. I mean, there are other schools that will corner the market on the car dealership bit. Right. Every Ford will be plastered with a Georgia recruits uh, signature if they really want to get those things off the shelf. Or. uh, Yeah, exactly. But there's so many like things in Atlanta. There are car dealerships and, you know, restaurants and, and bars. And but there's also Centennial Olympic Park and, you know, uh, the Carter Center and, and all sorts of. Things that are frankly a, a bigger deal than anything you're going to find in in a lot of other places. Um, yeah. On that, I, I think something we haven't touched on yet is social media. Um, oh yeah, some of these guys which, will make a lot of money with uh, being influencers. They will well, make a lot of money. And some of these uh, athletes that are particularly active on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, as somebody who's not really active on uh, Instagram other than following some like friends and stuff or, or Twitter outside the, uh, I guess the Spencer hall home field apparel, whatever that, whatever sphere of Twitter that's called. The vortex of college football internet is what I think Uh, how I would like to call it. Yes. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the best to know if we have anybody like that on the team already, but I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere. Uh, on Georgia Tech's campus, there's at least one athlete with some notable following either for their sport or for something tangential like streaming or, um, you know, fashion or, or something like that. Um, so I, so just to add a little bit of color to this, I've heard a little bit uh, in passing about some athletes being uh, streaming on Twitch. Like Twitch is an area of monetization if you're, if you're into playing Warzone or you let's say you're even into breaking down your own film on twitch for other people to learn from stuff like that might be might be super interesting to do right and that's that's a way to get some revenue um i mean speaking of TikTok, like the women's basketball team and i think the volleyball team were also huge on posting the TikTok this past year so all right they have the staff they have the staff to generate that idea you've given me the perfect excuse here my guy to open a project I've been working on and we can talk about it a little bit. Um, 
I've realized at this point, I am terrible at writing the features I've been trying to write. Do you want to dive a little bit into Georgia Tech social media as it stands or no? You get five minutes. All right. Before we move on and have to wrap things up. Yes. Okay. I'm actually starting a timer, by the way. Georgia Tech social media. Over the last semester, I have been tracking uh, a couple times. uh, The the latest update was at the end of May. Um, The growth that we've seen on various platforms of uh, Georgia Tech sports as sports have come back. And I would say, and I think you'd agree, that this was a pretty successful pretty successful semester for our teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, across all platforms, or well, the three that I tracked, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, sorry. So not not Snapchat, not TikTok or anything like that, but I tried to get the big three. Um, Georgia Tech saw appreciable growth in all but uh, two specific platforms, and that is the General Athletics Facebook page and the General Football uh, Facebook page. Everything else saw substantial growth led by the women's basketball team uh, across all three platforms up more than a hundred or up more than, yeah. Uh, Let's see what the sum number is. More than 2,500 follows. Uh, They're up more than 30% uh, on Instagram. Uh, They join baseball, men's basketball, cross country and track and softball all approaching 20% growth on that platform. And we're hitting a point, man, where across all uh, of our 17 sports, which doesn't quite add up to, uh, I guess, you know, 17 pages because you combine swimming and diving and and whatnot Mm -hmm. and the tracks and the cross countries. Uh, We're approaching 700,000 people following all of those accounts combined. That is pretty good saturation and pretty good growth over a three-month span when, at the beginning of me tracking this, they only had about, hmm, what, 650,000? That is, 50,000 is a lot of eyeballs of people that signed up to uh, pay better attention to tech. So I think that uh, whatever's happening, Twitter and Instagram are are going real well for almost all our teams, Instagram in particular, and that is probably, I guess, the most uh, visually impactful uh, of the mediums, right? I, guess I mean, considering that it is, you know, pictures. Yes, yeah. I would say it's visually impactful. Exactly. Um, very interesting. of dry humor, but yes. Yeah. Um, very interestingly, uh, men's basketball isn't our second most followed program. Mm-hmm. Question mark? Baseball. Baseball league, basketball, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, both by pretty substantial margins. Um, Softball actually has the third most Twitter follows with 21,000. So basketball is trailing softball uh, on uh, Twitter clout, I guess, which is that surprising. And basketball also trails volleyball on Instagram. There's a lot of social media analytics at play here. What did you say your job description was again? I thought it was healthcare consulting. consulting. (laughs) Healthcare consulting, man. Lots of numbers for a healthcare consultant. All right. You used up four and a half minutes, three and a half minutes. Hey. Proud of you. You kept it short. 
I threw out the interesting tidbits. Okay. You're good at summarizing and, you know, executive summaries. That's what there a consultant does. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to you wanna take us home with our last news tidbit of the week? Well, <laughs> we didn't even hit the director's cup, um, which I guess we can unpack later. But, um, yeah, we'll do that once the spring results come in. The last news mm-hmm. tidbit we have of the week is technically one that we never got explicit permission to talk about, but it's on the campus map. So, you know, people are going to find it at some point. Uh, the Ramblin' Rec Garage, a, a project that we talked about, what was that, a year, two years ago on this At podcast? Least we talked about it on a podcast. I think we put forward a, a public uh, request for donations on the site. But yeah, yeah it is, uh, it's, a, it's a reality. It's a thing now. It has its own item on the, on the map. Yep. There is a campus map, uh, and the Ramblin' Rec Garage will be somewhere between First Drive and uh, this new student center addition over by the transit hub. Uh, no finalized design yet, um, but all the preliminary renderings show it's very glassy, uh, which is um, a joy, honestly, for that not to be secret and like hidden and sus anymore, I think is fantastic for, uh, you know, people feeling that the car that they have ownership over actually belongs to them you know mm-hmm. i mean it's the first time in a while i think the first time in mostly the in most of the rex history that it'll be on display right and when we were talking about this plan and the meetings that we had it, it was like okay we're, we're gonna have the wreck as the centerpiece uh of the campus center project it gets its own space. It's where tours are going to start from. It's where we, you know, it's it's on display in front of, you know, God and everyone, more or less. Uh, and it, it creates this sense of ownership amongst the student body. It creates a sense of ownership amongst fans instead of it being hidden away, locked in a vault, and the key thrown away, or, or the wow. key given to specific people effectively. Right. And I think I think drivers in recent years have done a really good job of, you know, making sure that the wreck is visible on campus. But you can't get more visible than putting it in a a display case when it's not being used. Right. And and obviously, I I know the first thing that people are going to think of is, well, if you put a glass door on it, is it going to get broken into? Well, I'm I'm sure the school is going to handle that appropriately and and put in effective safety measures. So. Overall, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see this come to come to fruition. I, I, it's not like I've been actively working on it, but I know um, we have a couple of friends that have been in, involved in the process, and and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really good to see some of that hard work come uh, come to reality. Yeah, the um, the one thing I will say it was as the two of us have been involved in this for a while, seeing it. Uh, because originally the space was intended to be in the ground floor of the campus center construction. Um, and seeing that get value engineered out of the project was definitely a frustrating. Wow, I guess Georgia Tech doesn't care or like, I don't know. Like it, it, it was tough because that was something that I felt benefited every student, you know, and I guess the admin didn't didn't necessarily agree but 
Uh, it being in its own space, I think ultimately is kind of better because it stands apart from being, you know, tucked inside the, the campus center and instead can be out on the lawn. So there's, mm-hmm. there's it, things worked out is what I'm trying to say. And, and yeah. getting it detached, uh, like monetarily, like the club having go raise awareness and trying to get donations and stuff rather than being included. Hey, maybe that's just part of the, the price that had to be paid in order to make it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think one of the really good parts of, of that is, you know, the plan was approved, especially when you're putting these plans against the board of regents, which as we know, is uh, not necessarily stacked in tax favor when it comes to budgetary constraints. It, getting this one split off from the major pro- the main project might again it's a it's a boon right you know it, it obviously has to go through board of regents review but it's not part of the it's not something that can be cut by them anymore uh as part of the main project you like you said it was already value engineered into its own separate thing so it's it's good to have ownership it's it's good to see it become a reality and obviously we i mean we haven't talked about a groundbreaking we haven't talked about i mean it's not really a reality in terms of, you know, bricks in the ground or concrete in the ground, but I mean, it's only a year and a half at most until it's a thing. Right. And both of us will be in town to see it. So I I think that's a really, really good thing. Yep. Um, I think to, to kind of wrap it up, it's one of the things that epitomizes just how much the campus has changed in the last five, 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. And like some of the stuff that we talk about uh, on and off the podcast, on and off the site um, are really nitty gritty, tear out parking lots, rebuild them back as parks or, or buildings or usable space. Um, uh, trying to think about other things, rebuilding the library, but getting rid of the books we could tearing die. out the north north end zone of the uh, of the stadium and turning it into a party deck. Yes, um, and or, or like uh, capping the midtown connector, blah blah blah. All this, all this stuff. I think this for how small the footprint the building is going to have um, is going to go a long way towards uh, just campus ownership of of. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, even even friends I had when I was a tech. Uh, that I had known for years felt disconnected from the car. And and like, maybe that's on me for not being like, Hey, it's yours too. We want to help you use it. But like, you know, I I think it's a two, it's better. It's a two part problem, right? It's the cars like, again, stuffed away in a, in a vault in some unknown location that that's a part of the problem and then it's the other part of the problem is that because it's stuffed away in an unknown location when you have to know when it comes out you have to have a schedule of events you have to you know you have to keep track of it but now you can just walk past the building see that it's in there and take your pictures and read up on some of the history maybe i don't know there's a lot of things that you can do when it's its own space when it's out in public Obviously, again, that comes with with a bunch of risks, especially when you're talking about away game or uh, away fans or uh, delinquents on campus or coming into campus, et cetera, et cetera. But you assume yeah. that safety measures are in place and everything, and, you know, everything will be kosher. 
and, and and also the little stuff like just washing the car and getting it out for photo ops and the the fact that when it comes and goes uh from wherever it's parked to wherever it's going it's public it's is all public, public from now. the start yeah yeah it's not coming out again it's not coming out of a vault for special occasions it's there it's a part of campus it is a visible part of campus it's a visible part a part or a visible student owned part of campus. And like you're saying, that's the important bit. Yep. Okay. I think we've uh, beat that dead horse as far as we can, don't you think? Yep, I would agree. All right, everyone, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.